Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Critical race theory. It's being opposed in bigger and bigger numbers every day. There was a school board meeting in Virginia that uh, didn't end well. Many, many people came out to protest. And um, an unlawful assembly was declared and people were arrested. We're going to cover that story in this hour. Uh, Violent crime surges 25% in 2021. That's a big story there. Uh, Did you know that the Russians claim to drop bombs against a, a British ship? near off the coast of Crimea. What's the story there? Did it happen? England says no. Russia says yes. Some interesting story there. And then, of course, uh, His Holiness Pope Francis has an article out or a statement he made that's being uh, posted in an article that says you can recognize false Christians by their inflexibility. We may cover that. But our guest segment in this hour is with John Farrell on annulments, divorce and annulments. Here's an interesting question. Have you ever thought about this? I don't think I have. What is marriage? Like, what's the actual definition according to church teaching, canon law? What is marriage? And here's another interesting question. Have you ever thought about why annulments have increased some 20,000 plus percent since 1968? Why the massive increase in annulments from 1968 and beyond? Uh, We're going to have that conversation with John Farrell in our guest segment today. So it's going to be a jam-packed hour in this hour. Hopefully you'll join us for all or part of that anyway, Uh, but we're very grateful to you. And if you want, you can always hang out right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can watch the live video stream. You can comment, interact, and catch all the other information right on our webpage, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Did you ever find that good news you were looking for? I did. I did. I found great news today. It's really cute. Are you sure? Look forward to it. Mm, I don't know. Is there any good news in the world anymore? Hmm. Well, actually, there is. Praise be to God, there is. You know, I, I, to be on that subject, to be honest with you, I love it when I'm scrolling through, like, uh, mindlessly scrolling through social media, which doesn't happen all that often anymore. Mm -hmm. But when it does, and I come across like, uh, uh, like the viral hog that puts out these videos where uh, people doing good things for other people just because. Like that always gets me to stop and I go, look at that. That is good. That is praise be to God. There's still some good in humanity out there. <laughs> and so uh, it's nice to share the good news. Now, we typically share the good news when? We share the good news at the seventh hour of the day on the third news segment. So in the second hour, uh, we at the top of the second hour, we will uh, share the good news segment. But in this hour, it's the general headlines. We have this segment coming up and then, of course, one at the bottom of the hour. Plus, we'll have Saint of the Day and we'll have uh, the Gospel of the Day plus a Gospel Reflection. Thanks to Verbum.com forward slash G or yeah, forward slash CDT. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT is our website. It's also linked up there. Adrian Fonseca, good morning to you. Speaking of good news, I'm here. You're welcome. Um, yeah, and it make, um, it's you know always sure. it's always good news. Uh huh. It's uh-huh. good to be here. Uh huh. So praise be to God for it. Y- yeah. And yeah. You're looking for good news, and and I I provided. You're I'm a, I'm, I'm going to write welcome. that down. I'm writing that. I'm writing that down right now. Adrian mm-hmm. is here. Praise be to 
Jesus. Amen. All right. Amen. <laughs> Had a little trouble this morning, didn't you? I uh, woke up a little late, but you know I'm here. It's not easy getting up that early, is it? It's uh, you know the uh, <laughs> the the compounding lack of sleep uh, gets to you over time. Yes, it does. Sleep is vitally important, uh, and that's why I go home take a nap every day. <laughs> All right, we're going to pray. We're going to pray to the sacred heart of Jesus for all of your intentions, dear listener, whatever's on your heart. You know, if you can, if you'd like to, and you're hanging out on the live video stream, comment with your prayer intention. We'd love to see those, but your guardian angel knows what they are. And of course, could include, you know, bring them, include, include them in our prayers as well. Pray for our own needs here at the Guadalupe Radio Network and the Station of the Cross Network in our apostolates to spread the good, the true, and the beautiful. Uh, to so many souls. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the supreme pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love, Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Looking at the headlines today, top U.S. general hits back at right-wing uproar over racism teachings. Russia accuses Britain of barefaced lies over Black Sea warship incident. Ex-soldier opens fire in Thai coronavirus field hospital, kills one. From Reuters, Sydney faces scariest period in pandemic amid Delta outbreak. Australia's most populous state, New South Wales, reported a double-digit rise in new locally acquired cases of COVID-19 for the third straight day, as officials fight to contain an outbreak of the highly contagious Delta variant. Since the pandemic has started, this is perhaps the scariest period that New South Wales is going through, says State Premier Gladys and told reporters in Sydney. New South Wales has imposed tough restrictions in Sydney, Australia's largest city and home to the fifth of the country's 25 million population, with health officials saying transmission could be happening even through minimal contact with infected persons. New South Wales officials have so far resisted calls for a hard lockdown, although Australia has a good record of successfully suppressing past outbreaks through snap lockdowns, tough social distancing rules and swift contact tracing. Western Australia State Premier Mark McGowan has urged NSW authorities to place the state in a lockdown to crush and kill the virus, warning light touch curbs could trigger a spike in infections. Western Australia has closed its border to New South Wales. New South Wales authorities have imposed mandatory masks in all indoor locations in Sydney, including offices restricted residents in seven council areas in Sydney's east and inner west from leaving the city, and limited home gatherings to five to contain the state's first outbreak in more than a month. 11 new local cases were reported on Thursday, taking the total infections in the latest outbreak to more than 40. Thursday's data includes six cases detected after the 8 p.m. cutoff deadline, which will be included in Friday's tally. Also from Reuters, fighting between separatist brigades kills two in Yemen's Aden. Clashes between brigades in the main southern separatist movement in Yemen killed two fighters and wounded 15 people, including civilians, in the port city of Aden, security sources said on Thursday. Reported gunfire was heard on Wednesday night in Aden's densely populated district of Sheath Ofman. A fire broke out in a building in the education ministry in the area. 
The fighting, which raged for two hours, erupted with one of the brigades manning a checkpoint attempted to disarm another convoy. They said it stopped when the STC leader ordered both sides to withdraw. Instability in Aden would further complicate United Nations-led peace efforts to secure a ceasefire needed to end the war in what has killed tens of thousands and left millions facing famine. Another from Reuters, emotions run high as Hong Kong bids farewell to pro-democracy newspaper Apple Daily. Hong Kong residents snapped up last edition copies of the final edition of pro-democracy newspaper Apple Daily on Thursday after it was forced to end a 26-year run amid a national security crackdown that has frozen the company's funds. Apple Daily, owned by staunch Beijing critic Jimmy Lai, who is in prison, is an unapologetic tabloid that mixes pro-democracy discourse with celebrity gossip and investigations of those in power. It has been a thorn in Beijing's side for years. Emotions ran high as supporters of the newspaper, which has faced an unrelenting squeeze since Tycoon Lai was arrested under the security law in August 2020, queued for their last copies of the popular newspaper just after midnight. Queues stretched at newsstands across the city after an emotional final print run at the paper's headquarters. Thank you to all readers, subscribers, ad clients, and Hong Kongers for 26 years of immense love and support. The paper said in an online article. Here we say goodbye. Take care of yourself. Some staff expressed anger and frustration at the shutdown. After today, there is no press freedom in Hong Kong. I cannot see any future in Hong Kong," said Dixon Yi, 51, a designer at the paper. In anticipation of robust demand for its final print run, Apple Daily printed one million copies, or more than ten times its usual print run. The shutdown deals the most serious blow yet to Hong Kong's media freedoms, and could potentially destroy the city's reputation as an open and free media hub. After Beijing imposed the security law in the Global Financial Center last year, as concerns over press freedom mounted, Hong Kong cyber activists started backing up articles by Apple Daily on censorship-proof blockchain platforms following its closure. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Thursday, June 24th. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Bartholomew of Farne. He was a 12th century, born in the 12th century at Whitby, Northumbria, England. He's a descendant of Scandinavian immigrants to England, and because of the teasing he endured as a child, he changed his name from Tostig to William. A dissolute youth, he eventually left home to wander in Europe, possibly to avoid settling down in arranged marriage. He experienced a conversion and uh, he he experienced a conversion experience along with along the way, and immigrated for a while to his ancestral home of Norway, where he worked as a missionary and ordained a priest. William returned to England and entered the Benedictine monastery at Durham, taking the name of Bartholomew. He had a great devotion to Saint Cuthbert of Lindisfarne and received a vision of him. And eventually moved to Cuthbert's old cell on the island of Farne, spending 41 of his remaining 42 years there. The only break came when a dispute with the only other hermit in the hermitage caused him to pack up and return to Durham. His bishop eventually ordered him to act like he had got had good sense and return to his cell. He died in 1193 at Farne, England, of natural causes. Saint Bartholomew of Farne. Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter seven.、Uh, hold on a second. Let me.、Uh, it's not correct. Actually, today is the feast day 
of John the Baptist. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66 and verse 80. Now the time came for Elizabeth to be delivered, and she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and kinsfolk heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have named him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, Not so, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your kindred is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and wrote, His name is John. And they all marveled. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, When, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness till the day of his manifestation to Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There's two. There's like a competing narrative going on in Luke's Gospel. This one is of uh, John the Baptist. What comes right after is of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Navarre commentary today was so good. I, uh, I took a lot from the Navarre commentary today about Hadock as well, and of course, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, the early church fathers. But in the Navarre, it, it sort of points out these contrasts between the nativity of John the Baptist and the nativity of of our Lord. It says this, um, the gospel recounts the births and circumcision of John the Baptist and Jesus. It says there are interesting contrasts here, whereas John is born at home, surrounded by rejoicing and marveling, Jesus will be born away from home with a manger for his crib and only his parents and some shepherds to greet him. Let that sink in for a moment, <laughs> These, this contrast here. Now, what's interesting also is how uh, the early church really saw the transition away from the Old Covenant through uh, John the Baptist and into the New with the incarnation of our Savior Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose would say, With good reason was the tongue of Zechariah loosed because faith united what had been tied by disbelief. St. Ambrose. St. Augustine has an incredible comment on this. But I don't have time to read it to you now. Maybe I'll read it in the What's Concerning Us or at least next hour. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the What's Concerning Us section on Catholic Drive Time. It's headed your way. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. 
So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. I do want to thank gloryandshine.com for their generous support of our program, Catholic Drive Time. Uh, They make it possible for us to get out of bed at 3 a.m. and bring you the latest news and information, engaging conversations, and so much more. And uh, gloryandshine.com is a wonderful Catholic family-owned company that makes these uh, products like, uh, you know, skincare and lotions, body mist soaps, even beard care like I'm using. And uh, we're just so very grateful to them for their living out their Catholic faith through what they do. And gloryandshine.com, thank you for your support. Um, coming up at the 35 past the hour, we're going to be speaking with John Farrell about annulments and uh, what the church teaches and why things seem to have changed quite a bit since 1968 in the church in regards to annulments, which have increased, I mean, literally, dramatically. That's not an understatement. That's, that's Maybe it is, actually. Maybe I should be saying it even worse. Uh, it's like some 20,000 plus percent increase in annulments since 1968. Why is that? What is the actual definition, canonically, of marriage? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, I don't think I have. Um, and furthermore, what could bishops do to change all of that if they wanted to? And I think that's the key. And we're going to have that conversation with John Farrell at 35 past the hour. So many stories in the news today that I want to cover in the What's Concerning Us. Uh, here's a kind of a big one that's been coming out. Uh, uh, Epic Times is reporting it and many others. Uh, but here's, I like the headline over at the Daily Mail. By the way, I don't really like the Daily Mail. Uh, the, the dailymail.co.uk. It's pretty, uh, th- like the ads and the other stuff on there is really raunchy and not good. Um, so I don't really recommend this website. Again, uh, the, uh, the Epic Times is reporting it's a lot cleaner at the Epic Times. Trust me, a lot cleaner. The only reason why I'm referencing the Daily Mail uh, version of this is because I think it gets to some of the heart faster than the Epic Times article does. And here's what the, the headline says. More proof COVID came from a lab leak. China deleted samples from earliest patients that indicated virus was circulating in Wuhan before seafood market outbreak in December 2019. Now, the reason why I bring this up at all is because yesterday, during our What's Concerning Us, we interviewed former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And it was on my agenda to ask him about uh, the lab leak theory that has seemingly gone mainstream now. Uh, What was his opinion? And we got into a great conversation about some of the threats against the United States from China, Russia, and domestic issues like critical race theory, those kinds of things. And we were having a good conversation that I ran out of time, and I never got back to this. Now, I can tell you by watching interviews from Mike Pompeo, like on The Blaze with Glenn Beck or Fox News or many other places, that he has said repeatedly that as Secretary of State, he saw enough credible evidence 
to warrant a full-on investigation of the lab in Wuhan. And it seems very credible that that could be um, a strong theory as to where the origin of COVID came from. Now, we could play clips of that or whatever, but so I, I, I bring that up to say that reading this article today seems to add to this. And that's why I chose this headline, uh, because it kind of gets to the heart faster. Here's, the, here's a little bit of this article. It says, Chinese scientists have deleted crucial data from the earliest confirmed COVID patients. It emerged today amid intense scrutiny about the true origins of the disease. Dozens of test samples from patients in, in the epicenter, Wuhan, were found to have been wiped from an international database used to track the virus evolution. The files could have provided vital clues about how the virus originated and how long it had been spreading before the seafood market outbreak in December 2019. The American professor who spotted their deletion and managed to recover some of the data said they suggested COVID was circulating long before China's official timeline. He found the early samples of the virus were moved, or rather were more evolved. This is important. This is really important. He found the early samples of the virus were more evolved than would be expected of a pathogen that had recently jumped from animals to humans, but did not say it gave more weight to the lab leak theory. That's interesting. Why would they delete this data? And now that he's found this data, he's saying, look at this. In its earliest stages, it is more evolved than it should be if it were some random thing that just happened to happen. That's very interesting. So what do we know? Who knows is the answer, as I, I've heard Mike Pompeo say a number of times. You know, the World Health Organization basically went over there and gave it a rubber stamp, and licked it and sticked it, and there we are. We just don't know. But uh, there is some credible, credible articles here. The Epic Times one I would really recommend, uh, and it's very extensive, by the way, uh, as well as the, the Daily Mail article. Just you have to truly ignore all the garbage on the Daily Mail. It's just ridiculous. Um, at any rate, we're going to post links to those. I'm going to ask Janelle to, uh, to post the links in our social feeds so you can see them for yourselves. Uh, let's move on to the critical race theory. Um, that Here's an article out of the Epic Times. It says, critical race theory feud on full display at school board meeting. So uh, this is a good trend in my opinion. This could be good news. Uh, parents all over the country are saying enough is enough. And they are standing up. And they are realizing that if they're going to make an impact, if they're going to try to change the trends, they're going to have to get involved uh, at their school boards and at their local government and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to have to stand up and let their voices be heard. And we're seeing this. So here's the article. The latest school board meeting in Northern Virginia's Loudoun County showcased heightened tensions as parents fought to have a say in local school policies. I mean, don't you agree? Parents should have a say in local school policies, yes, right? Uh, a total of 259 people signed up to speak at the June 22nd meeting, and hundreds rallied for hours outside the school administration building in Ashburn. About an hour and a half into the meeting, the school board ended the public comment after the audience cheered on a speaker. The board members then left the room as the audience chanted, Shame on you! Some audience members stayed and made spontaneous speeches while standing at their seats. The superintendent of Loudoun County's public school declared the audience to be engaged in an unlawful assembly and advised those that remained 
that they could be charged with trespassing. Several refused to leave. According to the county sheriff's office, two men were arrested. One was released on a summons and one taken into custody under charges of disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. The school board resumed the meeting later and completed its agenda, according to the LCPS public information officer, Wade Byard. Now, this article, which is quite lengthy, again, we'll post links to this, uh, it, it goes on to talk about how the school board were targeting parents who opposed their agenda on Facebook. They would infiltrate these groups that these parents would create on Facebook to, in order to communicate with each other, to talk to each other about the issues, to dialogue about these issues, maybe coordinate some of their efforts. And the school board infiltrated these these private groups on Facebook and then reported them to the uh, to uh, officials and tried to have them investigated. That's that's literally insane. Parents who are concerned about critical race theory and its Marxist roots, by the way, um, are trying to speak up and have their voice heard about their children and their children's education. And what's interesting is, so the argument goes, well, if you oppose critical race theory, you must be a, a racist. Well, if you look at the people, these parents who are standing up, they come from all walks, they come from all colors, they come from all po political spectrums, they come from all creeds. They aren't just one size fits all. And so I think it's interesting here to see that parents are finally saying we can't just we can't just go along to get along. We're going to have to stand up and we're going to have to say something and fight back. And that's what we're seeing here. And now, I hope it's peaceful. We don't want violence. But at the same time, it's important the parents make their voices heard. We'll link to that article as well. I was also uh, very uh, uh, surprised to see this exchange between uh, Russia and of course, England, and uh, I know Janelle reported on this story in uh, in her in her segment there about Russia claiming to uh, drop bombs against a uh, an English uh, ship of war that was passing by Crimea. The UK denies this, but Russia says they did it. I mean, who who knows? It's propaganda, probably at most. But it's interesting to me that we're seeing more and more, you know. Incidents like this heat up across our country. Now, it's something that the Russians have done for a very long time. They used to buzz our bombers along the Alaskan coast all the time. They would, they would try to infiltrate our airspace. It's a pretty common practice. It's been around for a very long time. There are famous pictures. You might remember Top Gun and the whole flying inverted in a negative G dot. You remember all that from the original Top Gun? Well, that is based on actual reports of pilots doing shenanigans. There's a picture of an F-4 pilot. Pilot, a phantom pilot doing barrel rolls over a Russian bomber <laughs> just for fun. So it's kind of going on for a long time. But at the same time, we're seeing more and more. We're seeing more uh, of these types of events. And there's always the risk of something happening going wrong and a bigger conflict, you know, sort of escalating as a result of that. An opportunity for us to pray for these situations in our world. Violent crime surges 25% in 2021 with Democrats in Washington. This is an article out of Breitbart.com. It points out that the National Fraternal Order of Police tweeted homicides and shootings have increased exponentially since former President Donald Trump was in office. For instance, homicides increases up to 58% in Democrat-run Atlanta, 533% in Portland, 37% in Philadelphia. Shootings are up 54% in New York City, 
51% in Los Angeles, 18% in Chicago. Um, we've been reporting and talking about the, the rise in violent crime for quite some time. Another very concerning story. Let's pray for peace in our country. Let's pray for conversion of hearts, minds, and especially for conversion into the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church uh, and the salvation of souls. Here's another article as we are going to wrap up our conversation in the What's Concerning Us. This is also out of Breitbart. Pope Francis says, you can recognize false Christians by their inflexibility. I don't often comment about things that Pope Francis says, and the reason why is because he says a lot of things, okay? It would be like a nonstop process if you tried to comment on everything His Holiness had to say. And that would be true for JP2, Benedict XVI. I mean, there's just... It, there's just a lot that they say daily, mass homilies, the off-the-cuff statements they make on airplanes, journalists. It would just be uh, forever. It'd be nonstop. But I found this interesting because we're seeing this as being arising in tensions between Catholics who are tired of scandals, Catholics who are tired of the go-along to get-along and just want, want to be Catholic – and don't really don't really desire the conflict between you know the faithful and and the church the hierarchy in the church but are left with it nonetheless and we see statements like this this article says quoting pope francis it says uh, as he has done on numerous occasions the pope warned against conservative christians who cling to past traditions and do not accept the freedom the gospel offers that is sort of the narrative in this particular uh you know statement of his holiness is that he is really uh it says Disturb, he says they, he calls them disturbed com- communities. Um, let's pray for His Holiness, of course. Let's pray for all Christians, especially those that would want and desire the traditional form of the church, the traditions of the church, because to embrace the traditions as St. Paul would command us is not just the Mass, by the way. It's more than the Mass. It's the Mass plus more. It's all the traditions handed on from Jesus to the apostles to the bishops down to our age. It's all of it. Let's pray for... Let's pray for our church. John Farrell's coming up next along with breaking news. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard people say that Christianity is barbaric, that it arose in ignorance? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that as a matter of historical fact, it didn't. It arose in the most civilized period the world has ever seen. It arose precisely at the intersection of three great civilizations, Athens, Rome, and Jerusalem. It combined the philosophy of the first two with the faith of the third. So what's the real reason the opponents of Christianity do not believe it? It's not because it's barbaric and ignorant. It's not even because it's civilized and sophisticated. It's because, as Chesterton says, opponents of Christianity would believe anything except Christianity. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. 
FDA said heart inflammation warning to be added to mRNA vaccine fact sheet. Students sue Indiana University over COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Officials say John McAfee, antivirus pioneer, found dead in Spanish prison cell. China cuts deal with Hilton to build hotel over bulldozed Uyghur mosque. Reported by Crooks, Italian Prime Minister rejects Vatican complaint over anti-homophobia bill. In response to a formal protest from the Holy See to see a draft of an anti-homophobia law on the grounds of religious freedom, Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi Wednesday evening said, Italy is a secular state and as such can decide on its own whether a proposed legislation is constitutional. Speaking to members of the Senate's upper chamber during a scheduled June 23rd address, Draghi said that Italy is a lay state, so it's not a confessional state, meaning that the Italian parliament is free and able to deliberate, discuss, and draw its own conclusions. Draghi's remarks come the day after the Holy See invoked its sovereign status under the Lateran Pax to protest the so-called Zan Bill, named after Alessandro Zan, an openly gay legislator who introduced it which is designed to combat homophobia, but which the Vatican argues could infringe on the religious freedom that is guaranteed under the 1929 treaty. The bill, which is passed in the lower house in November, is now under consideration by the Senate's Justice Committee. If the committee approves the bill, it would then be put forward to the entire Senate for a vote before it becomes law. Critics of the bill argue, among other things, that if the bill were made law, it would require Catholic schools to modify their curricula to include state lessons, intolerance and gender, and could criminalize public expressions of church teaching on marriage and the family. Also from Crooks, Gilbratar votes on whether to ease its strict abortion law. Gilbratar was holding a referendum Thursday on whether to introduce exceptions to the British territory's ban on abortion. Abortion is illegal in Gilbratar unless it is needed to save the mother's life. Abortion is legally classified as child destruction and is punishable by up to life in prison. It is one of Europe's most restrictive laws in pregnancy termination. Gilbratar's just over 23,000 registered voters are being asked whether they agree with a 2019 decision by Parliament to allow exemptions on health grounds to the abortion law. If enacted, the changes would allow pregnancies to be terminated up to the 12th week if doctors deem the pregnant woman's physical or mental health to be at risk, or if there's a substantial risk that the fetus is suffering from a fatal fetal abnormal abnormality. Gilbratar is a speck of British land on Spain's southern tip. Many locals live and work across the border. In Spain, abortion is allowed up to request up to the 14th week of pregnancy. About 80% of Gilbratarians are Catholic, and the Bishop of Gilbratar has spoken out against the proposed changes. Crooks also reported that in Greece, bishops attacked with caustic liquid, 10 hurt. Seven senior members of Greece's Orthodox Church and three others were hospitalized with burns Wednesday after being attacked with a caustic liquid, allegedly by a priest facing a disciplinary hearing. The incident occurred in a meeting in Athens of senior bishops. The 37-year-old priest who was facing the hearing for alleged drug-related offenses was arrested unharmed and detained for questioning. A police officer who helped restrain the subject was also injured, as were a lawyer and a presiding clergyman. They were transferred to state hospitals for treatment, and two clergymen were described as being in more serious condition. Police said it was not immediately clear what liquid was used, but added that the victims are being treated for burns. 
Most of the victims hold the senior rank of metropolitan bishop. Health Minister Kilkas Ayas said four of the bishops were more lightly injured and were receiving first aid, while one was transferred to the plastic surgery unit of another hospital, and the other two might also be transferred to other hospitals with specialized units, including one with a specialist eye clinic. The motives for the attack were not immediately clear. State-run ERT television reported that the hearing was held as an appeal to dispose the priest from the clergy. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Thursday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. I want to thank real quick realestateforlife.org for generously sponsoring our program today. Connecting people who are either buying or selling homes to support pro-life organizations like ours. We're very grateful to realestateforlife.org for their support. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is John Farrell. His uh, website is catholicdivorce.blogspot.com. And we're going to have an interesting conversation about annulments and what the church teaches, what is marriage, why they've increased dramatically since 1968, and maybe what can be done about it. Good morning to you, John Farrell. Buenos dias, Jose. Uh, okay. Can you, you hear me okay? Yes. Amen. It's good to see you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I want to start with um, maybe a little bit of your backstory. Uh, all right. Here's all right. Listen, I'm I'm a regular guy. I'm a beer drinking, rock and roll, daily mass Catholic. Okay, and five kids, married in the church, two thumbs up, all that. But uh, you know, marriage gets tough now and then, and people get to the bottom of their ego, whatever. So why I'm here talking to you is because I've been raped by the spirit of Vatican II when it comes to divorce and annulment. Are you with me? So my well, let me lovely- first let me ask you: When did you get divorced? Uh, two, excuse me, 2012. 2012. So yeah, my, go ahead. I was just going to ask, uh, I just wanted to get some backstory on that part of your, of your life. Uh, um, so you went through a divorce that must've been tragic. I've been, I didn't through- go through a divorce. It got imposed on me. You don't go through it. Okay. It either happens or it doesn't. And so, yes, of course it's tragic because it's, 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 uh, emotional dismemberment of your kids. We had five little kids and my wife was found out about annulments. So she looks at me in the kitchen table one morning and says, here's the divorce papers. I would never do this if I thought it was a sin. Mm. Okay, so no one knows if it's a sin or not, because we're good Catholics, right? Divorce isn't a sin. You've heard that before. Only, only remarriage without annulment is. You ever heard that? So this is what happened back in 2012. And then I'm saying, this is nuts. So then she says, fine, I'll just have you removed from the house, which through the state. So I'm like, I can call the church. Isn't the church? We're marrying the church. Don't they have some jurisdiction here? And the, the, the priest says, we don't know. And the bishop says, basically, I'll pray for you because I have nothing to do with this. This is mere civil effects. When you're, when you get removed from your house, your, your, you know, your wife, your kids, all that. So you go to jail or you have to get out of the house. That's what happened. Okay, so that's a real wake-up call. You know, if somebody did that to you, you're like, you get religion real fast, and what's going on? So I'm like, I smell a rat here. And you go to the bishop, and he says, there's there's nothing to say here. It's just a civil effect. I'm like, no, 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 something's not right. So you get on the Internet and find out. And that's why we're here today to uh, basically pull the brush the leaves off of the definition of marriage, which has been in, what do you call it, eclipse, okay? And so... Uh, I start realizing that, no, I'm not crazy, and there are more people out there like that. And that's why I'm grateful to be on the air, to be able to, ex- you know, uh, I'm like one of the who's in Whoville trying to get the word out. 
There you go. So John Farrell is our guest. We're going to talk about uh, annulments, marriage. I want to go back to, let's go back 100 years, 50, you know, 70 years, whatever, 200 years, 1,000 years, whatever. Yeah. Let's talk about what marriage uh, and divorce was like in the, let's just call it the proverbial old days. What was it like in the church to be married and if you, if you wanted okay, to divorce Okay, there's, there's a term called wedlock. You've heard that word wedlock. That means... You're in it for life. You cannot get out of the lock. So back then, it's till death do us part. That means till death, you live under the same roof, okay? And that was the case. And, of course, Henry VIII wanted something different, and you couldn't get the annulment, which you would have gotten today. So back then, wedlock meant wedlock, and it slowly became loosened. And then with the Enlightenment, you start getting the state involved in marriage, which is a sacrament. So you can't, and people are like, no, it's just a state thing. Then what happened over time quickly uh, is, you know, the 20th century, people really started to ramp that up. And then bishops kind of lost their taste for enforcing their exclusive jurisdiction over the marriage contract. It's not a, it's not necessarily a covenant. A covenant and a solemn contract are the same thing. So what it was the perfect storm of, they started looking other, other way on enforcing, uh, uh, the the jurisdiction over the contract, over the separations. And then uh, on the backside of that, in the 1970s, they loosened up the definition of consent, or Vatican II. So now you have um, basically no-fault divorce for Catholics, and then you have no-definition consent for Catholics. So it's the perfect storm. So marriage has been effectively, um, canonically, how do you put it? It's it's been defined out of existence. You can't define it right now if you use anything from Vatican II onward. The legal definition. So this is why marriage is in a free for free fall. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask about the definition in particular. Did we have a, so we prior to this we had a we had a solid definition, but now it's become more loose. Okay, it's very super simple. All this annulment being abuse stuff. That's not the way it is. Annulments are illegal when it comes to them being based on love. Marriage is not founded in love, it's founded in justice. The object of consent is the key term. It's merely physical is the point. Bodily rights to, for, to make babies. That is what the key, that's the object of consent in marriage. It was expanded in Vatican II into a dweem within a dweem. You, in other words, you, you added the emotional element. The interpersonal relationship is now part of the essence you know, a dog used to be a dog, and now a dog is man's best friend, and you have to legally be your best friend or it's not a dog. So there's, this is how you've expanded the definition of marriage. Vatican II didn't do it um, legitimately. It's, it, it, in other words, they, you cannot change the essence. But Hold that ahead. thought. Hold that thought. John Farrell is our guest. We're going to go to a break. We're going to be right back. Continue our conversation on annulments, the changes, the difficulties. Tough subject, but an important one. We'll be right back with John Farrell. Don't go anywhere. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. When we see how crazy this world is, we can be tempted to isolate our family on a desert island and leave it all behind. 
Well, that's not really practical. But one thing you can do is take your family away on your very own family retreat. The goal of this retreat is for growth in your family identity and relationships and to give you time to intentionally pray together as a family unit. The four parts of the family retreat are family bonding activities, prayer, teaching, and fun. We've learned that if you're going to pray with your children, you also need to play with them. When parents develop these four aspects of their weekend away with their kids, the results are amazing. Devoting time to your family has a lasting impact on your kids, especially if you make it a tradition every year. To enable more families to do a family retreat, we have put together a short guide to help lead moms and dads through their own retreat planning process. To access this free download, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Me to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Tom Farrell is our guest. His website is catholicdivorce.blogspot.com. Having a conversation about annulments and marriage, the essence of marriage, and why the increase in annulments is pretty scandalous, actually. Uh, welcome back to the show, John Farrell. Uh, before the break, we were getting into sort of the definition of what is marriage and so the essence of it. And I want to start there again um, to get some uh, clarity on this. Okay, here, I'll try to make on, it really on, clear. Let me set this up. So let me, I want to set this up. So I want to get the definition, the clarity on what was before and what has now become sort of the essence that they use as the basis to have the oh, conversation okay. uh, for yeah. annulments. Okay, Essence can never change. God can never change. The essence of marriage can never change no matter what anyone says. The essence of marriage is bodily rights. The, uh, the, the, the object of consent is, is purely physical. But the spirit of Vatican II says the object of consent is also interpersonal. So you've added a piece to marriage, which means you cannot define legally interpersonal, you know, partnership and all that stuff, which means Anything can annul a marriage because you cannot consent to it in the first place. It becomes a it becomes a, a boyfriend girlfriend relationship legally. You cannot consent to that. So overnight, uh, you the the amount of annulments in the U.S. increased twenty thousand percent. That's how much it went up. Twenty thousand percent from sixty eight to eighty eight. And uh, okay, so that's what we're dealing with. If rule of thumb, if you can have kids, your marriage is valid because that the object of consent is like I said, purely physical. That's the rule of thumb. I'm willing to talk with anybody about this. Um, there's, Oh, my dog wants to come in. Come here, dog. So anyway, uh, go, I, I was going to say two things real quick. I want to get across. You cannot divorce without the Bishop's permission. It's grave sin. If you do that, this is something a lot of people haven't heard, but more and more people are hearing about it because the church has exclusive jurisdiction over the sacrament. It's in the Third Council of Baltimore that has not been abrogated. Um, 
So that, that's those are the two points that need I think need to be stressed. Let's stop there and just focus on that real quick because I think that's an important one. I I'm I hazard to guess that the vast majority of anybody listening to us now or the vast majority of Catholics today have never heard what you just said. So back up and say it again. The people who divorce cannot go to communion. This is how it's done. If you divorce without permission, you are ineligible for communion. The church has always done that until the Beatles, and it sort of fell out of favor, but you cannot change. This is divine law. It, you, it's not mere ecclesiastical law that you need permission from the bishop to divorce. It's divine law. It comes from Trent, Canon 12, and it comes from, ultimately, the Old Testament, uh, the, being, you know, married just for kids only. So, so that, like I said, our understanding of marriage is an eclipse, and what's gone instead is divorce is not a sin, and theology of the body, and there's no primary purpose of marriage. It's all baloney, and marriage is in a free fall. So, young Adrian over there, he wants to get married too someday, I suppose, unless he's going to be a priest. So, how is he going to consent? You need to know marriage for yourself. So, um, um, do you see it as a problem that uh, in many parts of our church in the United States, the actual catechesis on marriage is is woefully wanting? No, no. You don't need any more cate- – you, you need the defined marriage. You do not need marriage prep at all because that's all about perfecting the chemistry and all this stuff. It's define marriage accurately, and right now nobody is defining it. 100% of the U.S. bishops are material heretics regarding the definition That's a pretty strong statement, John. Oh, I guarantee you, 100%. I have a $10,000 offer to any canon lawyer who can show that I'm wrong right now. That's uh, regarding bishop's permission to divorce or the definition of the essence of marriage. If I had a million dollars, I'd put it up. I will give any canonist ten grand if they can prove me wrong or show that I'm wrong about this. I get no takers. I get blocked. No one will talk about it because the emperor has no clothes. You know how that goes? Uh, within the church. So you talk to anyone at EWTN, Catholic University of America, uh, Catholic Answers, Ed Peters, the head canon lawyer, I call him America's Pope, any of those people, the answer is no comment. And that's what modernists do. So they stop talking. I, th- I think the piece in this particular part of the conversation that we haven't put onto the table to yeah. give greater, greater context here is that at some point the church gave over to the state the ability to uh, decide divorces and the bishops the church, at that point yes, the church never gave it over hello it's a sacrament it's like getting the church well that's my over. point that's the point i'm trying to make here correct what happens is the church kind of look the other way and they're gonna you gonna outsource confession and the eucharist too to the state no you can't outsource marriage either the contract and the sacrament cannot be separated it's in arcanum it's in Casti Canubi, you cannot give the contract to the state and the annulment to the church. They must go together. So there are no divorces before the annulment. Everything must go through ecclesiastical, the bishop. Let me ask you a question. Uh, What about annulments in other parts of the world? How does the United States compare? The United States is obviously the annulment capital by far. We have 90% of the world's annulments and 6% of the Catholic population. So if you go to Sri Lanka or Nigeria or something, there's almost no annulments. And they tell you, if you divorce, you can't go to communion. So that's it. In other words, there's places where it's still sane, but in the, it started, it got the whole, just like communion in the hand, the whole thing got started in the Netherlands. And they, they came out in the 70s and said, knock this off, you can't do it. And they did it anyway. So now even Cardinal Burke and everybody will tell you 
the essence of marriage includes the good of the spouses. They're wrong. They won't. I'm telling you, man, it's this is what's going on. And I'm so doing. Go ahead. Are we? Oh, I have to keep track of the time here. We're going to run out of time very fast. Let's move on to what could be done. If if the church, let's assume for the second that uh, that the that tomorrow all of a sudden bishops decide, you know what, we're going I to got do your the answer. thing. Are you ready? What could they do? Okay, you do the Catholic version of marriage savers, which is the Protestant thing that. So, but you you so you have you when you want to have separations. Let's say someone's having a tr- problem in the parish with separation. They the the wet the marriage. You have the local the, the bishop deputizes the pastor and deputizes different people to basically hold separation court right there. So they say, look, you know, you adjudicate the separation because you cannot, you, you have a right to live with your wife and she has a right to live with you. You don't get to break that. So the answer is you, you, you call it like the, the marriage union, for example, you, you, you bring it back local. That's what used to be done back in the fifties. Uh, you can, it can even be lay. We have, you can have civil lawyers judge the thing, let them judge it. This is, and then for those people who are say, I'm not going to go along with this. There's no communion. So you get a ticket to hell. If you want to walk out of your sacrament right now, you get communion and you get an annulment and a new, a new spouse. So marriage has no, there's nothing to marriage right now, which is why people are like, why get married? John Farrell's our guest. Uh, his website is catholicdivorce.blogspot.com. And uh, I can imagine there are people all over the country who have found themselves in this situation. Have they been reaching out to you? Have you been connecting? Lots. Sure, yeah. And there's, there's different resources to help them because they can't get this information anywhere. You, you talk to your priest, and they, they, it's because they'll say it's re- marriage is emotion-based or love-based, there's nothing we can do. No, it's justice-based. The church has, you have a right to a trial for separation. So we need to assert that and bring that to their local tribunal instead of just the annulment. So anyone want to get in touch with me, I'm the easiest guy in the world to do so through Facebook, Twitter. I'll give you my email, whatever. We could talk about it. And basically, I've had to learn this the hard way. And I want to help people who basically get blindsided by Catholic divorce and where their rights are and what they can do. So is there something they can do? I guess that's the question. If what you're saying, what you're telling me is accurate, and I have no reason to assume otherwise, that bishops aren't even willing to touch this third rail, then where could, where could they possibly go? They have to, they have to learn. The answer is they have to take it to their, their tribunal and their bishop anyway. They have to, they have to say, this is a sacrament. Exclusive jurisdiction over this sacrament belongs to the church. It's a lie that it's mere civil effects when they tell your kids where your kids are going to live. This is natural law and it's divine law. Hmm. You have to take marriage back from the state that has been stolen while the bishops who are supposed to be protecting it look the other way and throw annulments at the problem. It's evil they are known as enemies of marriage in Casti Canubi 78, okay? This is what's going on. And and so once you get a little knowledge, which is a dangerous thing, you can start knocking at the door and saying, I want my marriage back, and I want you to vindicate and defend my right to be with my family because that's what was – in other words, your wife could do the same thing to you right now, Joe. What are you going to do? you got to know where your rights are and what marriage is. It's not just a dweem within a dweem. It's not. 
We have about uh, two minutes left in our conversation with John Farrell. His website, again, is catholicdivorce.blogspot.com. Um, so what would you leave us with? What could, I mean, how could we positively have an, an effect here on this issue? Okay, I'll help you with that question. Someone who wants to get married has to own the definition themselves. They have to learn what wedlock is and where the lock is, meaning you have to waive your right to no-fault divorce. When you're going to get married, you want to say, if we're going to engage in this contract, this solemn contract, there are terms, which means the object of consent is to make kids, and that if we divorce or separate long-term or permanent without permission, we're not going to heaven. So there it is. There's the wedlock that no one's talking about. You cannot take your divorce to heaven with you, okay? You've got it solve it in the external form, which means not confession. You cannot take your sin of divorce to confession. It must be done at the tribunal or with a ecclesiastical judge. It's, it's reserved for the bishop. So to try to keep it positive and what are we going to do? Learn what marriage is, then you can go for it. But you can't get the information from marriage prep because they don't even define it, okay? We're, we're free-falling without the information. So you can also go to... Um, uh, uh, marysadvocates.org that's the best that's the best website I can think of there's so much right. information we are out of time John Farrell catholicdivorce.blogspot.com or marysadvocate.org thank you John for your time today God bless you and God love you have a great day love you baby thanks Joe alright that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time if you can join us in the second hour we would surely love to have you got a full lineup coming up in the second hour you can always hang out with us on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you and God bless you. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55, and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. 
And one other passage to consider, Acts 1, verses 14 to 15, speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, Craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul. Unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus. Good morning to you. It's good to hang out with you. We're going to have a great show this hour. We have uh, breaking news and stories, but it's all good news in this hour, of course. Well, you know, we have, uh, you know, the first hour is usually much more intense. There's a lot of difficulty in the stories and the conversations and all of that. The second hour, well, we like to do things a little bit more uh, fun, a little bit more upbeat, just to kind of give balance to the whole thing. And so we're going to do good news segment. We're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, a little reflection that, of course, Fear and Trembling Game Show is on the agenda today. And we have three new opportunities to get into the prize pack this week by Annunciation Designs. We're very grateful for their sponsorship of our game show this week. AnnunciationDesigns.com is their website. So that's going to be on the agenda in the first half hour of our program. But uh, if you can hang out with us in the second half, we'll do a what? Uh, we'll do an after show rather. And in the after show, you drive the conversation. You, the listener. Now, maybe you're thinking, but uh, I only listen on the radio. No problem. You can jump on uh, some of the social feeds, which is like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, that kind of thing. Or if you don't want to do all of that, (laughs) I would not blame you if you did, uh, you can always hang out with us right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can watch the live video stream there. You can actually comment there. Or another option might be just to download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app, and uh, and hang out with us there as well. But all of that coming up in this hour. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. So uh, the best of the good news. Give me a teaser. Oh, a teaser? Um, there's a, a birthday celebration in there somewhere. Um, and lots of good news about uh, priests um, and a mysterious superhero. A mysterious superhero. Yes. 
Hmm, you're, you're just playing to Adrian Fonda. Is he paying Am you I? extra money no, to, he is not to make paying comic book <laughs> comments or something like that? No. Uh, I don't know how that... How does he have any money left after all the people he pays off? I don't off know. He gave it all to Genevieve. To do his bidding. <laughs> Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. And, yeah. you know... In, I think it was the the hugs from Genevieve when she was here. Totally worth the money. It, it only cost me my entire paycheck, but you know, it's fine. It was good, worth it. Yes. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. Um, good to see you here. We're gonna have a great show. We're looking forward to it. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of great content. By the way, uh, make sure you check out the Facebook, YouTube uh, pages because we post all of our content or like the conversations and such there, and they make. Great content to share widely. So do us a favor and smash the share button when you're there. That'd be very good and very helpful. All right, let's pray for uh, your needs, dear listener, as well as our own needs here at the GRN and on the show, Catholic Drive Time, and for God's will for humankind. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, upon all the clergy, Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. DeSantis signs new laws to protect freed thought, educate students on the evils of communism. Kidnappers free Catholic priest and four others in Mali. Priest ordained in Spanish diocese after almost 11 years without vocations. Crooks reports on a marvelous encounter. Pope Francis meets Spider-Man. At the end of his weekly Wednesday audience, Pope Francis and Spider-Man shook hands in Rome, with the superhero handing the pontiff a mask. Although the Pope will often graciously put on a hat when it is offered to him, he didn't try on the mask. The moment had been building up ever since TV cameras captured a man dressed in a Spider-Man costume in the Cortile de San Damaso, where the papal audiences are being held to prevent big crowds, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. The picture of the two went viral, with some people in social media adding the line, With great power comes great responsibility, used in the comics and movies by the character's Uncle Ben. Although some hypothesized this was a publicity stunt by the Marvel Studios to promote the next Spider-Man movie, the man behind the superhero costume was a real-life hero, Italian Mattia Villardita, 28. His superpower? Surviving a congenital malformation that him, in 19 years, spent in and out of hospitals. His responsibility? giving children in hospitals a reason to smile by visiting them when he's not working at the port of the Italian town of Vardo Liguri. I know what children and their families feel in the rooms of a hospital, the young man told Italian Telenord last December, after it became public that President Sergio Mattarella had nominated him for the Italy's Order of Merit. The idea of Spider-Man was born from my unbridled passion for this character, he said. Six of his friends decided to join him, forming their very own superhero group, and they visit children in hospitals because working as a group is even better for those trying to cheer the dark moments of these people who are facing these battles every day. Italy's highest honor was given to him for the altruism and imaginative initiatives with which he contributes to alleviating the suffering of the youngest hospital patients, according to public records. Even during the worst of the coronavirus pandemic, Villardita was still hard at work, He donned the costume and made some 1,400 video calls to children. 
The Blaze reports an amazing and inspiring story. World's most premature baby just celebrated his first birthday. When Richard Scott William Hutchinson was born five months prematurely, his doctors told his parents to prepare for the worst. But on June 5th, Richard celebrated his first birthday, beating the odds and becoming the world's most premature baby to ever survive, according to the Guinness World Records. Richard was born at a gestational stage of 21 weeks, two days after his mother, Beth Hutchinson, suffered medical complications that caused her to go into early labor. Doctors at the Children's Minnesota Hospital in Minneapolis, where Richard was born, said the 11.9-ounce newborn had a 0% chance of survival, according to neonatologist Dr. Stacy Kern. I knew the first few weeks of Richard's life would be very difficult, but I felt that if he could make it through that, he would be a survivor, Kern said. And that's what exactly Richard the Miracle Baby has done. In a recent episode of Stu Does America, Blaze TV host Stu Berguri was happy to report this amazing and inspiring story of survival and how the advancement of science is helping to save millions of lives. We're now doing things to save babies at 20 and 20 weeks. It's incredible and I'm thrilled to bring in that news, Stu said. The more science advances, the harder it's going to be to justify just eliminating these forms of life, these living beings. Thanks be to God and happy first birthday, Richard. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you and have a good Thursday. The saint of the day is St. Bartholomew of Farn. He was born in the 12th century at Whitby, Northumbria, England, and descendant of Scandinavian immigrants to England. He, Because of the teasing he endured as a child, he changed his name to, from Tostig to William. A dissolute youth, he eventually left home to wander in Europe, possibly to avoid settling down in an arranged marriage. He experienced a conversion experience along with along the way and immigrated for a while to his ancestral home of Norway, where he worked as a missionary and ordained a priest. William returned to England and entered the Benedictine monastery at Durham. Taking the name Bartholomew, he had a great devotion to St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne. He received a vision of him and eventually moved to Cuthbert's old cell on the island of Farn. He spent the 41 of his remaining 42 years there. The only break came when a dispute with the only other hermit in the hermitage caused him to pack up and return to Durham. His bishop eventually ordered him to act like he had good sense and return to his cell. He died in 1193 at Farn in Farn, England of natural causes. St. <clears throat> Bartholomew of Farn, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66 and verse 80. Now the time came for Elizabeth to be delivered, and she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and kinsfolk heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have named him Zechariah after his father, but his mother said, Not so. He shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your kindred is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all marveled. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, 
saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness till the day of his manifestation to Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine had a great quote on this particular passage. He says, quote, St. John's, St. John's birth is the dividing line between the Old Testament and the New. He personifies the old and is the herald of the new. He was born of aged parents because he was to personify the Old Testament. And he was named a prophet in his mother's womb because he was to be the herald of the new. Before he was born, when the virgin came, he leapt for joy in his mother's womb. That moment marked the start of his mission. He is the precursor, even before he himself can see or know his purpose. He is born and named, and his father's tongue is tied. Zechariah's silence is an image of how the old prophecies were hidden, dark, closed before the preaching of Christ. Everything is made clear with the coming of the one of whom the prophecies speak, close quote, St. Augustine. What did you find, Adrian? Yeah, there's a lot here as usual. And I guess there's two things that I want to focus in on. The relationship to Elias, to Elijah, and the relationship to Christ. See, uh, John the Baptist, he comes before Christ in six ways, according to Canus Alapide. And in what way he fulfills or makes Christ the uh, fulfillment of the prefigurement that John the Baptist is. And so, According to Lapide says, one, in his birth, for he was born six months before Christ, and two, in his baptism, for he was baptized before Christ did, and was even baptized by Christ, and then three, in preaching of repentance, that he might prepare the way for Christ, four, by pointing out Jesus as the Messiah and Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, five, by suffering martyrdom before Christ, and six, by descending to the fathers in limbo, announcing to them that Christ would soon come and set them free. And at the end of time, Elijah will return to the earth, according to the church fathers and to scripture. Elijah will come back and he will be converting the Jews in order to prepare the second coming of Christ. Now, John the Baptist is a fulfillment of Elias in the Old Testament, but Elias' second coming will be the fulfillment of John the Baptist's coming. So it makes a full circle. So it's very fascinating. And Cornelius Lapide goes in, and says, yes, because the power in John was like that of Elias. They both were austere in their lives. They lived in solitude. They had poverty and contempt for the world. Now, that's very important. We have contempt for the world. This is something that we should have as Catholics. We should reject the world. The world is, is uh, that's part of the temptations, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We must have, we must love God because we cannot serve two masters. Uh, fourth, we have in zeal and in fervor the preaching of the conversion of the Jews. Now, Elijah will specifically be coming for the conversion of the Jews. And the same thing, John the Baptist here was for the conversion of the Jews specifically and directly. And so this is the things that I think are really important and show the grandeur of John the Baptist because Elijah was the greatest of the prophets of the Old Testament. And John the Baptist is the greatest of those, of, of all the Old Testament heroes. But yet, what does our Lord say about those who come after? He says that those who come after will be greater than even John the Baptist, that the least in the kingdom of heaven are greater than John the Baptist. What does that show us? That shows us that the saints of our time, 
the saints of our time have been given such a grace that John the Baptist did not even receive the blessed sacrament, the seven sacraments. John the Baptist didn't receive those, yet we do. And will we take advantage of those? Will we take that and become great saints ourselves? All right, praise be to God. We're ready to go to a break and come back and play our game, Fear and Trembling. So if you've never played before, this could be your opportunity. Or if it's been a while, you haven't played in a while, and you'd like to play again, well, call us right now. First caller gets to be the contestant. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. Call right now. You don't even need to know the answers to win the game. It's that fun. 877-757-9424. Call us right now. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes. We Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So do us a favor, and please do not share this information with anybody. Keep this between us. But we like to do a few things here. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments, questions that we can learn something. We all learn something, right? Praise be to God for that. Of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time in the process. And our callers tend to be good sports, laughing straight along with us. And we love that part too. And then, of course, we give out prizes, making this sort of a win-win-win for everybody involved. And But here's the kicker. If you're just joining us and you're like, what in the world is this? 
Well, uh, we have three official Catholic trivia questions. I have them in my hands. I'm showing them to the camera for those watching anyway. Uh, but I do not ask the caller the question, so they do not need to know the answers to these questions in order to still win the game. It's that fun. Instead, I will ask Janelle or I will ask Adrian, and one of them will be right and the other will be wrong, and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And that is how the game is played, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janelle, what could they win? They could win a six-month subscription to the Wanderlist Catholic, a snail mail letter describing Catholic treasures around the world. Each month's subscribers will receive a hand-lettered and illustrated letter detailing the beauty and wonder of a piece of Catholicism. Explore churches, apparition sites, saints' homes, pilgrimage sites, local traditions, and more. Children and adults will alike will watch the mailbox in anticipation awaiting a new tale. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Annunciation Designs, for your generous support of our game show this week. We're going to go to the phones. If you tried to call in and you didn't make it on today, please do us a favor and try to call back tomorrow. You'll have three more opportunities to get into this week's prize. But let's go to the lines here. And it looks like we have uh, Kevin in the Woodlands, Texas. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Good to talk to you, Kevin. Uh, now, this is the first time you've ever played Fear and Trembling. That's true. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> well, that makes the game even more fun, actually. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. Now, tell us, uh, where do you go to church, Kevin? Um, in Montgomery County, Texas, which is uh, sits north of Houston, a little church called the Church of the Presentation. It's a church of the ordinariate, of the uh, Chair of St. Peter. So it's a Pretty little country church, and we're having a blast. Praise be to God. Now, uh, if you, in case you don't know, so what's going to happen is I'm going to, I have these trivia questions, but I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask Janelle. I'll ask Adrian. One of them will be right. The other will be wrong. You're going to have to guess who you think is right. And then every time you get it right, you go into the cup to win the prize. Sound fair? Perfect. All right. Praise be to God. Are you ready to play? You betcha. Janelle, we will start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Oh, yes. <laughs> Janelle, can you tell me how many holy days of obligation are there in the United States? Hmm. Now, days I'm not talking about ones that are abrogated. I'm, I'm t Forget about the abrogation to Sunday. How okay. many holy days of obligation are there in the United States? I'm going to go with six. Six. Yes. Would you like me to list them? Uh, sure. All right. So we have the Octave of Christmas. Okay. The Ascension. Okay. Assumption. Okay. All Saints Day. Uh-huh. Immaculate Conception. Uh-huh. And Christmas. That's six. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me how many Holy Days of Obligation are there in the United States? Hmm. You know, I think that is uh, nine. Nine? Yep. Oh, okay. You would you like to list yours? Sure. Uh, Christmas, All Saints Day, All Souls Day, Ash Wednesday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, Easter Sunday, uh, and that's uh, that's nine. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Who's right? Who's wrong? Uh, Adrian is on the hook for nine. I'm not going to bother trying to list them again. <laughs> Adrian's on the hook for nine, and Janelle is on the hook for six. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's trying to fool you? What say you, Kevin Williams? Well, my initial guess was five, so I think Janelle's a little closer with the six, so I think I'm going to go with Janelle on this one. Survey says 
Yes, wow. praise be to God. What did you were you guessing there, or were you sure? That's pretty hard. You were pretty close, actually, Kevin. Duh. I have my lifeline next to me, uh, Miss <laughs> Diane. So oh, you're cheating. I see how you're doing this. Okay. Okay. Well, let's ramp the question then. See if we can uh, stump the uh, the lifeline here. Uh, let's go to the... You're in the coffee cup, praise be to God, but let's go to the second question. Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Adrian, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Adrian, can you tell me what sacraments are given to the dying? What sacraments are given to the dying? So multiple sacraments. Correct, sir. Okay. Which ones? Let's see. Well, you uh, will give them extreme unction. Okay. Certainly, anointing of the sick. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you would also um, give them the Eucharist. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, that's it. That's it. You give them the Eucharist, Eucharist and you give Eucharist them extreme unction. And extreme unction. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Janelle, can you tell me what sacraments are given to the dying? I'm going to say everything that Adrian said, but one more. Penance. So you're, you have, you're saying Adrian is incomplete. Yes, he's he doesn't wow. have the insufficient. whole truth. Insufficient. Wow. He's not, he not. He's not have good the enough. Of truth. <laughs> he does Ow. not contain the fullness of the truth. Yes. I see where you're going with that. Yes. Hmm. We should put mm. that on a button. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so your answer is one so, more time: extreme unction, holy Eucharist, yes. and penance. Penance. All right. Penance. So Janelle is on the hook for penance, holy Eucharist, and extreme unction, and Adrian is on the hook for extreme unction and holy Eucharist only. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kevin, what say you? Oh, boy. We got a disagreement between the bride and I. She's going with, uh, <laughs> I'm going with Adrian, and uh, he's kicking me. Who, are you- I'm going with Adrian on this one. I think, uh, I, I don't see penance being a, a sign. Certainly, forgiveness comes with the blessing, right? Survey, so are you sure? Yeah. Survey. <laughs> oh! oh. The wow. bride was right. <laughs> Yeah, bride trust bride. the bride. I'm handing her the phone. Sage <laughs> advice. Sage advice. In fact, if, when and where possible, of course, the priest does hear the confession of the dying, right? So uh, that so confession, Holy Eucharist, and extreme unction are the sacraments that they provide to the dying to provide them, you know, that ability to to, to transition to the beatific vision prayerfully. Yeah, one right. might say that confession is the most important one they receive. Yeah, you yeah. could say that. Uh, apostolic pardon would be also very cool, if yeah, possible. It tends to be a good thing. It tends to be a good thing. <laughs> in my case, I'm putting it in my will. Must have apostolic pardon before death. I don't know if it works that way. All right, uh, not bad, though. You're still in the cup one time, Kevin. You get one more. Let's just see if we can double your chances here with the third question. We're going to go back to Janelle. Janelle, can you tell me? What is the term for the coming into flesh... Or the taking of a human form by the second person of the Holy Trinity. Mm. What do we call that? What do we call that? Coming into flesh or taking a human form by the second person of the Trinity. I'm going to go with anthropomorphism. I don't know if I said that right. Wow. Anthropomorphism. You must go to college. That's a big (laughs) word. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got to be at least seven letters. Let's, uh, at least. Let's ask double major Fonseca mm-hmm. uh, this question. Adrian, can you tell me what is the term for the coming into flesh or taking a human form by the second person of the Holy Trinity? What say you, sir? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The enfleshing of the second person of the Trinity is the incarnation. The incarnation. Okay. In- 
Carnation. Okay. Is that a flower? It sounds less intelligent Ooh, than Janelle. Okay. Carnation. Uh, but let's just see here. Uh, Adrian is on the hook for Incarnation, and uh, Janelle is on the hook for Anthropomorphism. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kevin and Diane, what say you? Can Janelle pronounce anthropomorphism one more time? <laughs> no, I don't want to try it. Right, anthropomorphism? I'm going, with incarnation. I'm going with incarnation. Survey says. There you go. Two for, two for three. There you go. Well done, Kevin. Well done. You didn't fall for that one that time. You knew better. Praise be to God. Uh, not bad, Kevin. Two for two for three is not a bad score. There's a lot of people who win on that. How do you feel? I feel good. <laughs> Awkward, but okay. Praise be to God. Well, we're very grateful for your time today, Kevin, and uh, for playing the game. It was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully, if it's God's will tomorrow, you'll have to tune back in. Uh, your name will come out of the coffee cup at Divine Providence, and we'll cook you up with uh, Annunciation Designs uh, for uh, generously sponsoring our 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 sponsor, our game this week, so you'll get their prize, if it be God's will. We'll have to just see how it goes, all right? Hey, man. God bless you guys for your show, and uh, big prayers for Father Ryan. Amen? Amen. Amen. We may be Amen. talking about him tomorrow, by the way. Uh, we're trying Amen. to uh, line up uh, a guest, uh, a friend of mine, Father Preston Cantella, who is good friends with Father Ryan. Uh, Father oh, yeah. Ryan's story is spreading across our nation, praise be to God, of a, a young priest who just passed away, uh, but embraced his suffering as a part of his priestly ministry. So that may be on the agenda for the conversation tomorrow. You'll have to tune in to see how that goes. But Kevin, have a great day. God bless you. And uh, I'll make sure to give your contact information to uh, the powers that be. So in case you win, you'll, you'll get that. But have a great day, Kevin. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. That is going to do it for the radio portion of our program. We're very grateful to everybody who tuned in and hung out with us today. If you would like to hang out with us for the next half hour for the after show, you're going to have to be on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or maybe even better in some ways, go hang out right on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, praise be to God. A dicey Don over there hanging out. We're very grateful for those that do. Uh, it's a great way to not have to be on social media if you don't want to. Also, for us to be able to overcome some of those censorship issues and the algorithms of these platforms that don't like the conversations we have, grnonline.com forward slash cdt is a great place to go. Tomorrow, as I said, we're trying to line up a conversation about a priest who embraced suffering as a part of his priestly ministry and uh, took it all the way to his last breath. I think it's a heroic witness and worthy of a conversation. So hopefully that'll line up. If not, I promise you we'll have another great conversation. Otherwise, we'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. If you're going to go to Holy Mass today, if you're going to listen to the Mass or watch the Mass, please do us a favor and keep us in your prayers. We'd be very grateful to you. We pray for you, and we'd like to ask you to pray for us as well. And that's going to do it for the radio side. We'll see you in the after show. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you then. joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now. Bye.
and I love you. Praise be to God in all things. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we talk a lot more casually about whatever you would like to talk about. You get to drive that conversation by commenting. And uh, do us a favor, if you've never commented before, you're listening and watching, but you never comment, please leave a comment. We like to lavish some love on our first-time commenters. It's always fun to meet new friends of the program. And, of course, if you want to talk about something, leave that in the comments, too, and we'll we'll have that conversation. Praise be to God. Difficult uh, show today in the first hour, of course. Uh, touchy subject just to begin with. And then, of course, our guest, I think, was... Was uh, you know he was on fire for sure, but I you know having let me just start with this today later today I'm going to be showing my movie The Other Side of Fear. It's a, a passion project that I produced back in uh, I filmed it in 2018. I edited, put it together, and released it publicly in 2019 at a premiere on the feast day of Saint Maximilian Kolbe, where I explored the father wound. And how that affects and, and, and creates brokenness in, in men especially, but women as well. And how that leads to uh, many terrible things, the decisions we make in life. And I shared my own testimony of my own father wound in that film, as well as some other men in that film. I also included subject matter experts like Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, uh, Doug Berry, uh, Dr. Kim Buckle, a, a Catholic clinical psychologist, where we discuss you know, uh, lots of things. Like, for instance, pornography addiction. Um, but also, one of the main themes going through my film is divorce and the effects of divorce upon families, especially children. And so I had a, a, a difficult conversation with Dr. Kim Buckle about the, the psychology and the effects and statistics. I also share my own story of, of how divorce affected me as a kid. I was six years old when my parents divorced. And my parents would go on to marry and, re and divorce many times. So I've lived through divorce a number of times, and I've, I've lived the damaging effects of divorce. And so that was part of the reason why we wanted to have a conversation about the subject today. Um, and I'm excited. I'm going to be showing my film again tonight uh, at a parish locally. Uh, and uh, I haven't shown it in quite a while now. And uh, it's been seen by thousands of people across the country. It's not a popular film it's not you know does it hasn't spread virally and it's fine it doesn't need to god's will be done in all things uh, but i've had the 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 pleasure of showing my film to thousands of people across our country and our world it's been i've had uh you know live showings i've had uh, virtual showings i've shown it at men's retreats uh, parishes have hosted events and uh, and the feedback i get on my film is usually I mean, I've never had negative feedback on it. I've uh, I've had nothing but incredible feedback. The the uh, the feedback has been overwhelming in many cases. Very emotionally driven uh, to see people seeing this topic being dealt with in a way uh, publicly that they've never seen before, and it really affects them. And they really uh, it plants seeds in their hearts. And it's been a powerful journey just to be a part of that. So I say all of that to say that our guest in our first hour. Clearly, is very broken by the, by his divorce, and my heart breaks for him from that perspective. But he was tr he was trying to share information that I guarantee nobody's ever heard before on the topic of annulments, which is why we wanted to have that conversation. But I think it was evident that uh, John is is somebody somebody who is uh, very hurt by the brokenness of his marriage, and that's true for 
countless people who find themselves in broken marriages. And that's part of the tragedy of our modern age, the, the sheer uh, landscape of broken marriages. And then, of course, broken children who go on to perpetuate the brokenness. And uh, to stop that, holiness is always the answer. But he had, he had information on, on the change in annulments from before and after that most people had never heard of. And I thought that was fascinating. Um, but it was, uh, it was an interesting conversation all the same. Hey, Don, on, uh, on our website, by the way, so we have on some people, website, wow. people listening and watching on the website. Thank you for doing that. Um, we're working on trying to improve, improve the quality there, but um, we're very grateful that you're hanging out there. Don says, Adrian, I have a quick question. On this site, every once in a while, I lose the show and have to reload it. Is that on my side? Adrian, you're totally to blame for that. Yes. So, Don, I apologize. It's I'm on your side. However, Adrian is to blame for it all. Entirely my fault. Entirely. Um, when you say you lose the show, are you referring to, okay, you said on this site. Uh, this show, on this site, so every time we restart the stream, it deletes the old our old shows. So... On YouTube and Facebook, you can get our old uh, backlog um, whenever you want. But on the website, it's only streaming that day. And if we start streaming again, the stream that was once there is gone and it's replaced with the new stream. So you basically have 24 hours to watch the stream before it vanishes on our website. So th the real trouble is the, the expense to uh, actually have the technology available to live stream directly to our website, or uh, I'm trying to also get it on our mobile app as well, is really expensive. And one of the big, so I have, well, I, I, I got us to like the basic level, and I'm trying to improve upon this. Um, but the levels above, where you actually get more functionality, more, more, um, what do I want to say? Where things become sort of smoothed out, it's way, it's a huge jump in price. And the other issue is they li they severely limit that bandwidth. And that's part of our challenge is we are trying to swing. I'm just being honest here. We're trying to swing way above our weight when it comes to, I, we are as a team, as a, as a, an apostle of the Guadalupe Radio Network, we are trying to grow to a level that would only be seen at, at major network levels, right? Um, for instance, EWTN or Fox News or, you know, what have you. They're swinging at that level. They have way bigger budgets than we do. We have not, we have a sliver of a budget that we're trying to maximize and do special and interesting things with. And God's will be done in all things. He provides for the, for the need. And I'm not worried about it. But at the same time, it's slower than we would love, you know, and we would love to improve this part. And that's on our agenda. So getting to the higher levels where we can afford that and then provide those capabilities. But we see it as very important because we have conversations all the time that the tech oligarchs simply don't love. And we are swinging hard to improve our ability to reach new audiences on those platforms. And it, it is like swimming upstream. It really is. And being able to send people directly to our platform is a great way to get around that and keep stay directly in touch with our audience versus having to go through the tech oligarchs and ask them permission to have an audience. Uh, that is definitely the direction we have to go in. And this is just the stage one. It's all, you could almost say this is beta. And we're working on it. We'll get there. Uh, 
Oh, Mike is... Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. No. Oh, no. Wonderful. Mike Thank no. you, Mike. No. Thank you for need... that comment. It's very important, guys. Guys. Come on, man. It's okay. No. He said, by the way, I watched that amazing video for no. Adrian's favorite song oh, last night. Heavens. He didn't I, say amazing. I, I, I'm looking I have, at the comment. I have, no editorial, I have editorial oversight on what? the comments. You know, <gasps> I made it through about 60 seconds. I'm not only... <laughs> I'm now not only having to wash out my ears. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'm man! Not, I'm not What's only having to that? wash out my ears every 60 seconds. What have you done? But my eyes, too. What have you done? How do you live with yourself, awesome. Adrian? Jesus is a friend. That's how I live with myself. He's my friend. He is no. going through traumatic flashbacks at the same moment. Uh, this, is, this is how I live with myself. No! Because I recognize that Jesus oh. is, See? in fact, a See? friend oh, of mine. Mm -mm. This is like the sirens, right? They try to lull you in with the sweet sound, and then they gotcha! Right, it's beautiful. So, beautiful. oh, Jesus! Of course, Jesus is a friend of mine. Who, who wouldn't say that? And then you go watch the film, and then that's it. <laughs> the film, <laughs> that's it. Then, you, then you're it's yeah, destroys souls. I'm telling you, it's not good. What you David do, said. Good morning, good. all. By the way, the video and audio sync for Joe seems to be fixed. So, if you did anything to fix that, it worked. Yes, <laughs> I fixed it. It only took me. Um, Actually, it was like it only took you it, seven months. It only took me seven months. Seven it months. actually only took me um, like a couple seconds once I figured out what the problem was. I had to troubleshoot a, a few different issues, but literally it was just a button I needed to push. Have I mentioned the uh, the brilliance, the intelligence, the sophistication of Tammy over on YouTube? <laughs> oh no, have I have I brought this up? I'm not no, sure if haven't. I have or I'm not. Concerned. But uh, Tammy says, "quote Yeah, Mike, but we also need." The horns of the apocalypse. You know, Josh said, I can't lie. I love the music video. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. A man of good uh, and wholesome Considering he's taste. your friend. No, no, Josh Noel. Oh, Josh. Josh Noel. Josh Noel. I don't know Josh Noel in, in person. I don't think I do. I think you're paying him off. That's what I think. I think. And I, I told you, my all my money went to Genevieve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You got uh, Janelle over there promoting Marvel characters. Yeah. You know, you I got, don't know. You got uh, Jesus Robles always singing your praises. Oh, yeah. And the, the uh, whole Spider Man thing was weird. Yeah, it is awkward. It was isn't interesting. It? Pretty sure that was Cardinal Zen inside that costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who was it? Ouch. The things you got to do to see the Pope, right? <laughs> You got to be a basketball player or Spider-Man. Sp or Spider-Man, yes. Isn't that funny, isn't it? Uh, praise be to God. Good morning to you, Monica. Good morning to you, David from New Hampshire. Good morning. To oh, I saw an article from, speaking of New Hampshire, I saw an article. Apparently your governor, whom I can't, I don't remember their name, uh, is a Democrat pro-abortion. But apparently there's a, there is a, a pro-life writer to the budget. If I'm not mistaken, if I got this wrong, correct me, David. But I want to say the article said that the governor said he is not going to veto the budget just to get rid of this pro-life writer. So that's good news. Praise be to God. Um, of course, Mike K. William Hemsworth, good morning to you. And uh, Jeff Burrier, good morning to you. Josh Patterson, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Elizabeth, good morning to you. And uh, Myra, good, good to see you back. Good morning to you. Eric Rodriguez, good morning to you. And Clarissa, good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to see you guys. Christopher Velasquez, good morning to you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Patty is on with us, of course, uh, or was last hour. Anyway, she's always hanging out in the first hour. She goes to Mass in the second. Did Mike say John Cena is a Republican? What? Josh no. Noll, of course. Good morning to you again. Joaquin, 
Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Luz, it's good to see you here. Luz, thanks for hanging out with us. Gloria, good morning to you. And Lori, good morning to you. Now, I think, was it uh, Josh? Josh said, had an interesting comment. Josh says, my wife and I agreed before we got married that divorce would never be an option. We just celebrated our eighth anniversary and looking forward to many more. Praise be to God. We should, that deserves a hallelujah, don't you think? Yes, I agree. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Elizabeth Madgen, is she a new commenter? I, on YouTube site? I don't know. Maybe. Her name looks kind maybe. of familiar. Ma- maybe she's a second time commenter. Elizabeth, could you let us know? Are you a first time commenter? Or a second. Or second time mm. commenter? Or, or third? Governor Sununu. That's, that's Governor Sununu. Oh, Sununu. Not was... John Sununu. You said John CN. I couldn't see the name because was, I was too close uh, to John Cena, so you know I couldn't see it. Young people and their wrestlers oh, and Marvel man. comics. Good grief. The Rasslers, you mean? The Rasslers. Rasslers. Good morning, Monica. Glenn yeah. says, starting back to Texas, pray for safe travels. Oh, it's it's Hey, funny. now. Amen, safe Glenn. travels, uh, Glenn. Uh, unfortunately for you, you don't get a Bucky's until you get into oh, Alabama. Oh, it's Betty. Betty! Oh, been okay. here. Welcome back. Been here many times, Betty. Good to see you again. Uh, praise be to God. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when uh, my wife and I, we, my wife tried to divorce me uh, in 2002. And, um, well, she wanted to anyway, but I had a mystical encounter with Jesus and that saved our marriage. Praise be to God. Changed everything for us. And now we're celebrating 21 years of marriage, six kids, two grandkids. Praise be to Jesus. And, um, you know, what Josh said a minute ago is super important. You have to come to that point in your marriage where you say divorce is not an option. It's kind of like Hernan Cortez, you know, scuttling his own ships because he knew his men would want to retreat. Because the battles that they had to face with the Aztecs would be overwhelming. And he was always outnumbered by 100 to 1. And he would win his battles by sheer willpower and the grace of God. And marriage is, is uh, similar to that. You're going to be outnumbered. and It's going to be hard. And you have to decide uh, divorce is never an option. It helps, of course. I think it makes all the world of difference, of course, when the, when the spouses agree to this. And they're on the same page. It's infinitely harder when it's one and not the other. And uh, I say I think that's part of the part of the challenge is parents have to make the decision. Fam, uh, wife, uh, wives, and husbands have to decide that uh, divorce is never an option. That issues have to be worked out, and they have to find a way. They must find a way because retreat is not an acceptable uh, outcome. Josh, I like that idea. Burning bridges. Burning, <laughs> burning the scuttling the ships. Getting, getting you ready of your get-out-of-jail-free card, right? And, you know, for my wife and I both, we come from very broken homes, very broken homes. And so we were – that's how you're trained as a kid. You're trained to think that way. You're trained to say, well, if this doesn't work out, you know, we'll just do something else. No big deal. We're just test driving this thing anyway. And so long as I am happy and loved and feeling good, then things are fine. But the minute I don't feel good, good grief. You know, that can't work. You know, love is not about an emotion – as much as that it, love is Jesus Christ dying on the cross, no greater love hath any man than to die for his friend, lay down his life for his friends, right? So love is a commitment. Uh, love is a total gift of self to the other person. Love is to will the good of the other person. It's not about when I wake up this morning whether or not my wife made me feel good. Uh, it's about my vocation and the reality of my vocation 
to be uh, committed to provide, to protect, to care for, and, and of course, to provide uh, for the procreation of children and for their, for their formation and for their good and to help bring saints into heaven. And I think that's part of what's been lost in society. Josh says, I don't know if the blogger guy earlier mentioned it, but perhaps actually invalidate marriages. Or prenups. Uh, prenups. Oh, prenups. Did, oh, I, I, what did I say? Perhaps. I said perhaps. Perhaps. The brain is obviously going into fog mode. And many cradle Catholics are doing it. Prenups. Yeah, that's not good, is it? Nope. That's not uh, scuttling your ships, is it? That's keeping your options open. That's not a good thing. You're basically walking into the marriage saying, this ain't going to work out. And I'm going to keep my options open. Yeah, that's crazy. Tammy says, my husband, who is a Baptist, went through the annulment process for me, and we were married in the church. He understood the importance of the Eucharist for me. Well, praise be to God. You know, what's interesting is I, I, I've always been fascinated by mixed marriages and the difficulty of mixed marriages at that. And, uh, for instance, I know, I know I've known a couple uh, families where the husband was Muslim, and um, the two families that I'm thinking off the top of my head, uh, in both cases, the husband who was Muslim brought their families to the Catholic Church, the Mass, every single Sunday without fail. And one actually converted to the Catholic faith. The other, as far as I know, so far has not. But I was always blown away by that. I, I always respected that to some degree, that they, would, uh, that they would make that commitment to their wife and to their children when they could have done otherwise. I think that's a, a, a good sign. Josh says, the sacrament of marriage is in need of defense so much in our time. Glad y'all had him on, even if he was a bit impassioned. A bit? <laughs> Josh, you're very kind. <laughs> that guy, obviously, uh, I feel bad for him. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I feel for him. I guess I can empathize with him. You know, it, divorce is horrible. Divorce is painful. It, it breaks people. And I think we're, we saw some of that. He is clearly the example of what uh, divorce can do to a person. Yeah. The mm -hmm. effects of it. Uh, clearly, he didn't want it, but um, he's going through something, and this is his cross to bear. And some of us bear our crosses uh, better than others. Yeah. His message is, is, this is in need of change. It needs to be looked at. We need to, you know, wake up to um, this process you know, the divorce, and where, uh, where our church needs to further help us. Tom. Is Tom a brand new commenter? I think yes. Tom is. So. I think Tom is. Tom, praise be to God. God love you. Amen. Good Hallelujah. Morning. Good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us on uh, Catholic Drive Time. We're always love to see brand new commenters. He's from San Antonio. He says, praying for the sanctity of marriage. Yay and amen. A sacrament of service. Yay and amen. I also feel, going back to, to you, Anna, mm -hmm. uh, by the way, Anna's here. Good morning to you, Anna. Good morning. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila on, uh, on YouTube. And uh, I, I, I also feel like part of the problem is I've tried to bring this up in the conversation uh, with John, but he, he wasn't really having it, but mm -hmm. uh, about formation, like preparing couples. You know, when my own son was preparing to be married, uh, the priest, whom I know very well, called me, and we had a great conversation. 
asking me about you know where where my son was at and and it was it was so good it was so healthy it was so good you know and i liked that process very 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 good because it wasn't about this lengthy you know months on end of of come to class or whatever but it was more about this is what marriage is do you understand that do you do you get that like that was the nature of the that conversation the nature of that time that my spent my son spent with this priest and i'm like that's what we need more of like, do you understand what you're getting yourself into? Do you get what actual marriage is? And I have to say that having participated in uh, marriage preparation, my wife and I up in New Hampshire for many years uh, participated in a, a pre-canic conference, and I myself sat there in that chair before I got married trying to check a box and not listening in one ear, out the other, I, I, what you can, you got to say what you say, you say it. Good. You're done. Check that box. I did this priest, now marry us. And I'll never forget the seconds before my wife walked down the aisle, the priest turned to me and said, Would you like to go to confession? And I went, No. And he said, In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, begin. You know, and I was like, Ah! What do I do? What do I say? I don't. I mean, we had been pre. We cohabitated. We committed all these sins. We. My heart was not convinced of the truth of the Catholic Church. You know, I wasn't intellectually or emotionally convinced of it. I was trying to just get married to to this woman. I didn't uh, didn't see marriage from the church's eyes, and um, and yet we still got married. My my marriage is valid. It's it's a sacrament, and I can't use that as my excuse to get a divorce or annulment. However. How many times couples have been just checked through the process? Wouldn't it be awesome if a priest stopped them and said, do you truly understand what you're getting yourself into? And then like had a really candid conversation with them. And then uh, how many marriages wouldn't proceed and then end up in annulments, especially those with prenups? Good grief. That's how, an obvious sign. How many priests would have just said no, just evaluated the couple and said no, just by, you know, yeah. you're not, in, no, come back, you know, uh, you're doing this, you're doing that, come back to me in, in such and such time if you still want to get married and you need to prepare for, for this spiritually because it really is a spiritual battle. Yeah. When you, yeah. Go, when you go into it, then, then, the, then, you know, you're hit hard spiritually. Yeah. And, and, I there's, think... and, and you don't really know somebody, and that's just the thing, you don't know somebody until you live with them. That's true and all, but at the same time, it's a it, it's a, a choice you make, right? You have to, you, you know. And choices. I think that was part of the message we wanted to have in our conversation with John today. That got overshadowed by his clear brokenness and emotions over the topic, right? And that is, um, we can't give ourselves the get out of jail free card. Marriage is a commitment, it's a covenant, and the choice we make is not one we can just back out on because things don't work out or the spouse is imperfect or, or what have you. And I, you know, it's John, Mike brings up this good point in the con box here. He says, uh, God hates divorce. That's direct scripture right there. God hates divorce. Mm -hmm. He says, I have no doubt about it. No one comes out unscathed. Yea, yea and amen. He says, Ephesians 5.23 says, a man is the head of the household as Christ is the head of the church. Can you imagine Christ divorcing us? And that's the point I want to bring out right now. <clears throat> this is the point that I always come back to when I've talked to men who, are, who I've had the chance to speak to before they've 
you know, pursue divorce in their, in their marriages. I always try to bring this point out. I've even had this conversation with a priest friend of mine many, many years ago now who told me he was being, he was asking to be laicized and to leave the priesthood. And I said this same argument to him. You are married to the church. You are a priest. And he goes, well, I wasn't supposed to be. That is not the point anymore. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is beyond the point at this stage of the affair that you, th- that you weren't supposed to be. Hands were laid. The sacrament was received. The ontological shift has happened. The change within you has happened. You are a priest now and forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And now you want to back out because now you want to go and act like a layperson? I mean, he and I had this conversation. I brought up this very point. You are a priest. Or I would say to a man, you are married, but she doesn't this, and she, this thing doesn't that. And you yep. are married. What can we do at this point to fix, repair, change, to uh, make better the marriage? Too many times we may give ourselves a pass, and we say this, this, and that, and then we back out. But the reality is marriage occurred. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the conversation we wanted but unfortunately, yeah. it got overshadowed. Yeah, Elizabeth's comment or Betty's comments, <clears throat> his marriage diminished his message diminished the fullness of what marriage is, who would be attracted to it it is a body it is a body contract. Well, he, that's not that's not what he was trying to do. The the point that was trying to be made is that at the end of the day, everything else doesn't matter once you're married. Like obviously and clearly everybody would agree that you should marry someone that you love, you should marry someone that you can uh, see yourself living your life with, someone that you're passionate about, that y'all agree with each other on things. But at the end of the day, once the marriage happens, well, you're married now. And that's the point that he was trying to make. He was saying, whatever feelings you did or did not have, at the end of the day, don't matter because you need to have something that's objective that cannot change. And that's the contract that you have (laughs) with your spouse. And no matter what emotions you did or did not have, um, those things have now are are no longer relevant in the in terms of not no longer relevant completely, but in terms of whether or not your marriage is valid. And that's the point that was trying to be made. It wasn't trying to say that you should uh, all marriage is is a bodily contract. Yeah. Um, yes, that's definitely not the point that's trying to be made. Uh, and I think uh, that's very important for us to understand because yeah, we we all agree like. I'm Joe. I'm sure you love your wife. I have no doubt in my mind. I have no doubt in my mind that you would sacrifice your life for your wife. Uh, that that's not even even a question. Um, but at the end of the day, all those other things are less important in terms of what mar- uh, whether or not your marriage is valid. Well, you know, because I've come from so much divorce in my family and so much brokenness in my family, and the pain of having to live through that as a child. Uh, I made the commitment after my conversion experience. I, I committed myself uh, to to Christ and to His Church, but I made a personal commitment that I would never remarry under any circumstances whatsoever. That I would remain, if if it would be God's will, that my wife should either leave me and or uh, God forbid that she should pass before me, that I would remain chaste and celibate for the remainder of my life. I made that commitment because to me, I needed that commitment uh, because of my background, because of my history, because of my family. I needed to make that kind of a commitment. That level was necessary for me uh, because that's how I work. I'm, it's easy for me to be either on or off. It's easy, easy for me to be black and white. It's the gray area that's the nuance that becomes very difficult for people like me. So I made that commitment and I told my wife and my kids, I've said to them that no matter what happens, I will be married and, and will love their, their mother until I die. 
And beyond that, I should love her even further because I will prayerfully, God's will, be in the beatific vision and therefore perfected. And I think that's necessary. Um, and, you know, to Mike's point here on the chat box, he also says, we have to recognize that John's pain is a direct result of fa- failure of leadership, intentionally or unintentionally. Our church let him down in his most vulnerable moment. And I do agree with that. I, I do agree with that. I think that was part of, of what kind of got overshadowed in the conversation was the church has sort of let go of this supreme um, opportunity to regulate this, uh, this sin and scandal in society by managing this process, so I'm using that, you know, in a loose way, um, it's kind of gotten out of control now, and now the who's, who are you going to turn to? Uh, these bishops apparently don't want to touch this third rail. They don't want to go there, and that's part of the scandal, and I, that's, you know, the part of why we wanted to talk to them. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah. Josh had a great comment. What do you say? Josh said, um, we used to live in a society that valued the sanctity of getting married and staying married. Dr. Jordan Peterson refers to this as a forced monogamy. He said, I'd rather have my parents had stayed t- I'd rather my parents had stayed together and been less happy than having been abandoned by my father. Yes. I make that point all the time. I get in trouble for making that point. Kids and I even when I in my film, The Other Side of Fear. Uh, which you can watch for free, by the way. It's over at livinghislife.net. Highly recommend. Uh, you can also watch. It's on Vimeo as well. It's always free. It doesn't cost anything. Um, I, when I asked uh, Dr. Ken Buckle, clinical psychologist, about the stats on divorce and remarriage, the effects on kids, this was the point that came out. Studies have shown. He said it didn't used to be that way. They didn't used to think this way, the c- clinical psychology. They, they thought kids would be fine because they're resilient. They can handle it. And that's the lie that I got fed down my throat as a kid. Oh, you'll be fine. You want your parents to be happy, don't you? And of course, as a kid, you're like, of course I want my parents to be happy. The studies have shown kids would actually prefer two parents even arguing and mean to each other in the same house than to have a broken home. They prefer, if they had to choose the lesser of two evils, if they weren't given a better option, they would prefer them to stay in the house than to be separated. I think that should be telling to us. We, c- we can give them more than just the bottom line. We can give them something greater. We have to teach that. We have to believe that. We have to live that in the church, in the community-wide. That doesn't mean that there aren't terrible situations in marriages that lead to this brokenness and, and contributing factors. Of course there are. Let's pray for those that are in these situations and let's, let's journey with them as well. But let's hold the ground on the truth. I think that's the real key. At any rate, God love you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for hanging out with us. Tough, tough topic, but I'm glad we discussed it. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us 